0: On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode one one nine two of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Sunday into Monday, and today I'll be joined by Wes Morton of Peachtree Hoops in a moment to talk about all kinds of stuff on the Atlanta Hawks front, from DeAndre Hunter to Bogdan McDonavich to the upcoming schedule to the recent play of the team and more. We recorded this interview on Sunday afternoon before the injury report came out for Monday's game in Detroit, so I want to update you here at the top of the podcast. It's actually good news for the Hawks relatively Anike Kongwu is no longer on the injury report at all, presumably clearing the way for him to play on Monday after he's missed a couple games with a concussion. The other thing was Kevin Herter's status, of course he left the game early on Friday. And Herter is listed as questionable with what the Hawks are calling left shoulder soreness for Monday's game. So that's sort of an uneven report in some respects. The Hawks did have a practice earlier on Sunday in Washington, D.C. before they flew to Detroit. So they've always seen him and evaluated him. No other updates at this point in time, but that's the latest. Only one guy in the injury report altogether, and that is Herter. Collins is off the injury report. O'Connor uh, is off the injury report, etc. So pretty good news for the Hawks as they go to Detroit in a game they should probably be favored to win. Let's just say that. Uh, although the Pistons have been playing better recently, the Hawks are the better team. And even on the road, that's a game that, of course, they have to try to get right now as they try to push for each and every victory down the stretch of the season. Okay. With that out of the way, we'll have the intro and then we'll hear from myself and Wes Morton. I am joined now by a friend of the podcast, a writer at Peachtree Hoops. Wes Morton is here. Hello, sir. How are you?
1: Uh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing?
0: I'm living the dream. I'm playing a road game on this uh, Sunday afternoon evening. We're recording this in the afternoon. I'm not at home, as people can see by my, by my background and uh, this YouTube thing. Man, it's a uh, it's a challenge for me. No 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 camera today. We're we're kind of just flying blind, but that's okay. Yeah because the audio is what matters most on a podcast in my mind, but it is a good time to remind everybody to subscribe on YouTube if they like to support the show. That's been huge, and people have uh, told me, my higher-ups say that that's, impo- that's important, so go ahead and do that, and also follow Wes. You can see his info on the screen, and we'll sort of plug him throughout this podcast. But, Wes, it's an interesting time for the Hawks. It's early March. They finally won two games in a row, and they play on Monday. And uh, I, got, I got into this a little bit before I brought you in, but they finally have an elusive chance to get back to 500 for the first time in a while, and they, got, they have to do that in Detroit. And we'll kind of talk about that game at some point along the way here, but uh, how are you feeling about the Hawks right now? There's lots of mixed feelings out there I've found when reading and listening to people, but where is your head at with the Hawks right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, thus far in the season, it's, you know, probably a little disappointing that they're still – they're looking at the play-in, you know, no – I think a lot of people are expecting a top six finish, it's gonna be extremely difficult to get there from where they are in the standings. But um, I mean it is what it is. Like I said, there there's they've dealt with certain certain things, certain injuries. Um, they've had some some guys um, you know, had some slow starts due to offseason surgeries, you know, the defense we know isn't, you know, isn't as, as good as as it, you know, needs to be. You know, they've been bottom five the majority of the season. So, um, you know, the, I think you just sort of have to shift your expectations a little bit. Um, they still have plenty to play for going forward. They've got, like I said, they got Detroit coming up. They've got an easier back half of the schedule. Um, I think um, your goal at this point is, you know, continue to – you've kind of locked in the rotation at this point. Um, You know, Nate likes to go nine or 10 deep and he hasn't really shifted his rotation much recently. So, you know, just keep playing that, you know, treat everything like it's a playoff environment and see how high you can climb. If you can climb to the seven or eight spot in the play-in tournament, then you get, um, you know, better odds. of You'll be able to at least have one home game, um, even if it's the second game, to send you into the, you know, the top eight playoffs. So. Um, yeah, I think I think the overall message is just, you know, shift your expectations down a little bit. This team isn't as, as good as a lot of people expected. But, you know, long term, you know, you're still thinking long term. A lot of your guys are younger, below 25. So you still want to get them, um, get the minutes, get them playing together, get them together and, you know, approach it that way. I, I think the long term health of their franchise is, is still pretty solid.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And it's interesting. I did a little bit of this last week on the show, but it's kind of like funny how you can frame this recent play from the Hawks. Because if you go back to MLK Day and what was a pretty big win against Milwaukee on a national stage, you go back from there, they're actually 14 and 7 in the last 21 games, which is actually like what they're supposed to be doing this season. That's winning two-thirds of their games. Uh, If they had done that, no one would have been uh, upset at all about this season for the most part. But also, that was a seven-game winning streak at the beginning of that. So if you want to go back not quite as far to, like, January 31st, they're 7-7 and in the last 14. So it's, like, however you want to frame this, or if you want to do even more uh, closely to now, they're 5-2 and in the last seven. So it's, like, all about, like, arbitrary endpoints, basically – and seeing how this team is playing. And yes, they've been uh, playing better recently, and I've said this before, but they only have one bad loss in like almost two months at this point. Um, granted, they've had some games in there in which they probably should have won that should have maybe qualifies bad losses. Like they've blown some leads against pretty good teams. But if you look at the schedule, the only game that you would say before the game started that it was actually a bad loss that they lost the game was the San Antonio game. And every other one besides that, like they lost in Boston. They lost in Chicago. They lost in Boston again. They lost in Dallas. They lost in Toronto. They lost at home to Toronto in a winnable game, but still, that's a playoff team. Uh, so basically, uh, other than uh, that San Antonio game for you know seven or eight weeks now, they've at least held their own and did, did what they were supposed to do for the most part. It's just that they dug themselves a hole, which is not breaking any new ground here. But um, it really is kind of interesting to like think about the perception of this season. If things had started better or ha- if they didn't have that COVID you know, outbreak in the middle of the season, or if they had just kind of stolen a couple more of these games. But I kind of, I kind of agree with you at the end of the day, like you kind of have to adjust your expectations just a little bit at the same time, there is reason to think that this Hawks team could make, I'm not sure if it's a run to the conference finals, but they could certainly win a series in the playoffs. And I wouldn't be too surprised based on, at least, at least according to like certain opponents that they could play. Like they played the, I don't know, the Cavs or the bulls in the first round of the playoffs. Would you pick against them? I don't know. I'm not even sure. I, I'm not even sure I would, honestly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely a good point. I wanted to bring up is the East is it's very deep for sure, but the, the top of the East is um, maybe not quite as dominant as you know certain seasons in the past. You know any any season that you know had a LeBron team, for example. Um, you know you're always worried of trying to go in into you know Cleveland or Miami or something and try to win there. But the Hawks have actually. Done fairly well against the tops, the current top six in the East. I was just looking at it before the, before the um, the last game, um, the last Bulls game. Actually, they're right at about five hundred um, against the the current top six, which is the Heat, Sixers, Bucks, Bulls, Celtics, Calves. Um, they've generally been competitive when it hasn't been, you know, the the stretch where they were the the hardship Hawks and missing a whole bunch of a bunch of guys. So. Um yeah, I mean it normally when you when you come into the playoffs as say a seven or eight seed, like you're you're generally dead in the water. Like, you know, it you don't see those upsets happen very often. But this could be a year where, you know, maybe a seven seed goes into a two seed and and upsets them just because I think the, the quality teams are pretty close. Um we've seen the Hawks, you know, they tend to you know, in a, in a general sense, tend to play, you know, a little bit above expectations when they're on, you know, national TV or you're going back to last postseason. You know, they they, they brought their A game for, for most of that postseason run. So um, could be a team that's, you know, maybe is able to peak going into playoffs and catch fire, get, get the right matchup. I mean, we, we saw that with the Sixers series last year where, you know, by all accounts, the Sixers were a better team than the Hawks. But they they matched up just well enough. They got enough shooting. They got enough clutch play. Um, I'm not saying there will be a repeat of that, but it, I, I think the chances are that a you know that a seven or eight seed Hawks could could give a you know a top seeded team you know a good matchup in the postseason.
0: For sure. Um, I have a couple more things to ask you about, including the recent play and maybe DeAndre Hunter, et cetera, on this podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors. With Built Bar on my side, I've done a much better job this year to get one of my resolutions for the new year, and that resolution is to eat right and improve my health. And honestly, it's not that hard to do because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars. From the protein-infused pu- puff bars, they're fantastic, to all the other favorite favorites from Built Bar. Each and every bar has 100% real chocolate, which makes a huge difference, and they taste fantastic. And beyond the taste, Built Bars are low-calorie and high-protein. You can easily replace your candy bars with Built Bars, both in taste and to improve your nutrition. built.com has all the information that you need for the nutrition side, but also you'll be blown away by it. Because most built bars have only four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein with a low calorie count. And flavor-wise, there are plenty of options to choose from, including classic favorites and new flavors all the time. Each flavor is delicious, and they have new flavors coming in the near future as well as in the recent past. And the best way to check out Built Bar, Bar is to go to built.com. Use a promo code Locked15. If you do that, you have 15% off on your order with Bilt Bar. That is promo code Locked15, 15% off at built.com. All right, Wes. I wanted to ask you about the Washington game, which I know you wrote about for Peachtree Hoops, and I covered it on this uh, podcast in depth, so that's also still there in the feed right now. But an interesting game in a lot of ways. Like People got mad at not everybody, but a couple people got mad at me for kind of dwelling on the fact the Hawks did not play well in that game, and I kind of stand by it, to be honest. I think the Hawks did not play well in that game. They happened to play an opponent that was not very good, and I will say, and I said this on that show, but anytime you can win on the second night of a back-to-back on the road, there's no need for an apology if that makes sense like there's two different kind of discussion points there it's like a did you play well and b does the win still count in the standings and no they didn't play great in that game but they also still won the game and that's that's kind of all that matters but i want to know what you kind of observed from that one because i know you focused on it pretty closely and that was kind of my takeaway but at the end they made enough plays to kind of pull off the wizards
1: yeah yeah for sure i mean it, it you know the they actually looked you know Fairly dominant in the first half, I thought. Yeah, I thought that's they were true. really executing well in the first half. Um, you know, I think they score something like 66 points in the first half, whatever, um, you know, really good offensive efficiency. But then third, starting in the third quarter, um, you know, they let Washington take a big run, uh, pull themselves back into the game. They were never able to put them away, which has kind of been a common theme with, you know, um, this team this year. They, they let you know lesser teams kind of hang around, um, or even you know even good teams they've been up 15 points or so and you know let them back in in the second half. So um, it's definitely seemed like one of those games. I mean, again on the, the second day of a back to back, we had to travel. Um, you might get a little tired in the second half. I thought I saw that. Um, you know they weren't. I think it was a little more offensive stagnation in the second second half for sure. Um, but, you know, there would be just enough down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Um, obviously, DeAndre Hunter had a big game. You know, the his second consecutive, you know, big game after a rough stretch, which is, which is huge to see, you know, just, just how important they, they need him on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, I think also John Collins returning. I, I talked about yep. that in my piece. That was big. That was a lot of the comments post game mentioned his, his energy, his activity, you know, even when he's not hitting shots. And we know he's he's obviously a very efficient um, shot maker. But once he kind of gets a couple games under him, he'll be there. But but beyond that, he was playing some good defense. He had, he had a big block. Um, I think he had like you know six six big rebounds in 24 minutes. So you know he was active. Um, you know definitely gives the Hawks something they've been missing when they have had to rely on Gallo at the floor, who's, who's obviously not going to do much. Destructive, um, not going to be very destructive on the defensive end. So, so having John Collins back should be huge for them. I think, I think you just take the win. Like I said, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a signature win, something to to tip your, tip your cap on. But um, you take the win. You you need any wins you can get this stage of the season and try to climb the standing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Again, some of the message that keeps coming out of the, the post games is, you know, uh, you Nate know, and the players can get frustrated. They're not putting together a, a complete 48 minutes. And, and that's just true. But, um, you know, sometimes you just get to you get to squeak out the the, the kind of ugly wins and grind it out. And just, you know, it's better to, you know, give up 12 points off your 15 point lead than, than, than to surrender the whole thing. So,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, that's that's for sure.
0: Uh, you talked about Hunter in there. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me because there was a time, I guess it was only a few days ago now, where I felt like the DeAndre Hunter conversation kind of reached its uh, tipping point in the negative sense. Like, I felt like a lot of, this is all anecdotal for sure, but like in my mentions on Twitter, people were, I think were reaching their kind of boiling point with DeAndre. And I kind of always find myself in the middle of those conversations. Like I, uh, when, when guys have good stretches, I kind of usually pull it back a little bit. And when guys have bad stretches, I usually do the opposite and kind of just say, look, Let's not panic about the Andre Hunter, but, you know, he was not very good uh, for a couple of games there. In particularly, he had that dreadful game um, at the end of last week and where, where he was afraid from the floor and just kind of had just nothing go well for him in that spot. Well, but even in that game, he I think he played 37 or eight minutes and it's kind of a reminder that the Hawks just have to play him and he's kind of the only guy on the roster right now that does what he does. Yeah, 37 minutes in that, in that game, by the way, against Boston. And uh, it's just interesting to me because on one hand, I think that he – the idea of DeAndre Hunter is something I've said a number of times, but the idea of him is probably better than what he actually is right now. At the same time, he – the Hawks just have to rely on him so deeply that they kind of ebb and flow with him. And It's not like he's better than, obviously, Trey or even John Collins or Quick Capella. Like, those guys are your best players. I think Mitch is still much better than Hunter at this point in time as well, but they just – especially in certain matchups, they just have to play Hunter a lot. And if he's not good, it really drags them down. So I wonder what you took from these two sort of up games from him when he played legitimately well against Chicago and Washington. Like, is it like, are you worried at all at this point? Was it just some noise before that? Are these two games noise? Like, are you comfortable with him right now in terms of moving forward and currently uh, in the uh, present rotation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would say that the, the, the rough stretch he was having um, I, I would call that. I mean, that's you know, it's just kind of one of those rough stretches. I don't think that's indicative of of him, you know, regressing or backsliding. Um, uh, Kevin Chenard brought up uh, the fact that you know never heard Obviously, John Jay was hurt. He he took a tough fall. Yeah, uh, we can debate the you know the uh, the intensity of the play or whatever or the um, the dirtiness of the play, I guess. But he fell hard on his wrist, and since then he had you know. He had some issues with turnovers, issues with his shot. So maybe it's just a case of, you know, coming back from that injury, just maybe the, the wrist wasn't 100%. But, um, you know, at the same time, he, I don't think he's a 20-point-per-game scorer. Or he's not going to be super, super efficient. You know, we've seen him hover around, you know, 16 or 17 points per game when he's playing, you know, 35 minutes or whatever. So, um, but but like you said, the value he brings is the fact that, you know, they, they don't have any other – they don't have anyone who's who's got his his you know profile defensively with you know with the wingspan and the strength to be able to you know defend you know the primary the primary guy opponent's primary guy at the point of attack. So, like I said, even if he's having a rough offensive stretch, like you, you just got to keep giving him his minutes. He's he's vital to the team. He's um, the defensive contributions are necessary, and and he'll get to his offensive game. I think the thing I saw in particularly in the Wizards game um that just happened that, that um, the they dialed up some plays specifically for him specifically to get him matched up on on Halu Neto. um obviously Neto's like a you know small point guard he's not gonna defend him very well and they got switches they were but let Don DeAndre go to work um just to see the you know just to get him some buckets see the ball through the net um so it, it looked like they were you know They've been trying to actually get him going on the offensive end, um, and so that's that's just something you, you kind of got to do with a struggling player. Sometimes you you drop a certain play, try to get him the ball. Um, so um, you know, I think that was big for him. And he he said after the game, you know, he acknowledged you know, the last couple of games. You know, beforehand he was having a rough stretch, but he was saying, "Hey, my my confidence isn't wavering. I, you know, I know who I am. I know the quality of the player I am." So. Um, yeah, I think I think again. I think this this stretch is a little bit more indicative of what he should give um, the Hawks going forward. You know, maybe a little bit less volume on on the offensive end, but um, you know, he's still still a solid player. Like he he's we forget that this is just his third year. He, he's missed chunks of his first two years, first three years with injuries. So he's still kind of gaining his feet. So I I wouldn't I certainly wouldn't hit the panic button on on his play at all. Yeah, Um, just because of that one stretch
0: for sure. And, you know, you mentioned it. I was going to say this if you didn't, but, you know, he's he's 24. So he's not that young, which I think maybe throws off the conversation a little bit. But because of the injuries that he's had, he's only he's only played in 121 games in his career, which is like a season and a half normally of the NBA. So I think there is reason to be, you know, not necessarily optimistic inherently, but not pessimistic, maybe just because of the fact that he hasn't played as much basketball. And three-point shooting's been good this year. That's been something that he's going to have to have. Um, I've worried a little bit about, about his passing. Like, I think as a small forward, as a primary guy, like, you got to be a better passer than he is right now. Like, I, I believe for the season, I'm looking this up now as, as I'm talking, yeah, he actually has more turnovers than assists this year, which is not what you want from your uh, small forward. So that's something that I'm that actually am a little bit worried about. But defensively, I think it's mostly pretty good. Um, off-ball stuff, not always the best, but he has the tools. But... I do think that uh, he's going to have to have some steps forward, no question, but I'm also not necessarily worried. And he's a quiet guy, but him saying, like like you just said, he, him sort of asserting that confidence and has been good. And for me, in that game, what was encouraging was that he was getting to the rim. He was not settling for the pull-ups. He was not settling for contested 19-footers. He was going to the rim, drawing fouls, and finishing at the rim. And that is really, really encouraging because, yeah, I want him to shoot threes as well. Um, but when he doesn't do that, less let pull up mid-rangers and more going to the rim would uh, be helpful for his overall profile
1: right yeah and i think that's you know a lot of that's just kind of finding you know how you operate in in the offense um it's definitely you know there have been some tweaks between you know last year and this year of uh you know how, how the office operates you know certainly would be nice to get him going to the rim but you know deandre likes to you know he likes to get the ball and and you know, take take a couple of jab, jab steps and dribble, get to his pull up. I mean, some guys <laughs> yeah, just kind of feel comfortable doing that, and he's had some stretches where he's been, you know, amazing from from mid range. He was, you know, stretches where he's hitting, you know, half his shots from mid range, which is probably just not sustainable. But well, that was that
0: was last year, and actually, I was going to say this, I forgot, but I'll say it again now. Last year, in the early sample where he was, of course, just on fire before he got hurt last season, he was shooting fifty nine percent from sixteen to twenty three feet which is, that's unsustainable for anyone. That's, like, better than Kevin Rand shoots yeah. in that range. But in contrast, this year from that same range, in more games, he's shooting 31.8%, which is also unsustainable. Like, he's better right. than that. Um, but I think that trying to find out where his actual level is from there is interesting. But one, one thing is for sure, if he's going to shoot that poorly from that range, he just can't take those shots. I think he's better than that, but still that will kill your efficiency and it's kind of done that this year because if you look at it like like sort of um, range by range he's been kind of the same guy at the rim in a pretty good way um, he's been a little bit worse in Florida range but the the huge drop off in efficiency has been those long twos from last year to this year and that kind of explains almost everything with his offense to be honest other than the passing so um, yeah Hunter's an interesting piece and we'll see if he can keep it rolling on Monday into Wednesday because like not necessarily Monday, but against Detroit, but Wednesday's game against Milwaukee, like he has to defend Chris Middleton. He's their only option against Chris Middleton for the most part. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, before I get to one more thing, and then we'll sort of focus on what's to come for the Hawks. A word from our sponsors on the show today: Basketball is running at full steam right now in both pro and college hoops. And in March, my favorite sport, which is of course basketball, takes center stage on a number of levels with all of the odds totals, player props, futures, exotics, and much more. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. And beyond that, BetOnline remains the best spot for all of the sports scores, the podcasts you need, and the news this season. And of course, it's not just basketball, even if I love basketball, because BetOnline has a full slate of offerings. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey and boxing, UFC, auto racing, golf, tennis, soccer, Baseball occasionally, entertainment and horse racing odds, plus every single prop that you could possibly think of. Head to Online right now. Use your mobile device to learn more about all of the trends and all of the action that's happening at Online today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Wes, we mentioned Hunter. I also want to ask you about Bogey because he has been fantastic, basically, since he came back from the injury in late January. 17 games in that span. He's number two on the team in scoring, number two in assists, a 62% true shooting in that span as well. And uh, most importantly, the Hawks have a plus 8.8 net rating when he's on the floor. Uh, that will all work. Let's just say for bogey. And we saw this last year where he had sort of a slow start. And then uh, I would say probably a little bit unsustainable finish, but he was on. Un- was incredible last year. This year, it's been a little bit more normal than that in terms of his shooting. He's not been quite as nuclear, but He's been a different player in the last five or six weeks. And I think the Hawks performance has been better as a result of that. You know, what have you seen from him in the role that he's in? Obviously that bench role is a little bit different, but I personally like that he's coming off the bench still. Uh, I know with him playing well, there's been some calls on my timeline for him to start again, but he's playing plenty of minutes. And I think him anchoring the second unit makes a ton of sense. It made sense back then. It makes sense now. And obviously uh, I wouldn't tweak it just because he's playing well.
1: Right. Right. I mean, it, yeah, you said. It. I mean, he's he's still getting you know nearly starter minutes. I mean, they like to, you know, Nate likes to go with you know some Herder Bogey lineups. Um, and they work, Nate, by the way. Yeah, they, exactly. They've been good.
0: It wouldn't seem that way. Like I've heard some national podcasts or national writers kind of reference like the defensive questions, and certainly Trey Bogey and Herder is not your ideal defensive lineup. But if you look at the numbers for basically two years now. The Herder, bo- the Herder bogey lineups do work. Like, there are certain scenarios where it's not great defensively, but if you look at that on the whole on a large sample size, those two guys do actually work together, and it's worked for the Hawks. So I'm not saying it's perfect because it's not, but uh, if you look at the, at, the, at the data, that's been their best wing tandem for two years, basically.
1: Right. So, I mean, uh, I'm sure, you know, look can, look for that to continue. Like you said, you know, there, there may be certain, certain matchups where it's, it's, it's not quite good enough defensively, but yeah. I think for, on the whole, right, the, the fact that you're able to, you know, space the floor with um, you know, Trey Herter, Bogey, occasionally Gallo is in there as well, you know, it's it's been, you know, um specifically with Bogey, you know, just getting him some um some ability to, to run the offense, come off screens, I think it's been big. There's there's kind of been some earlier stretches where he wasn't seeing the ball very much and he was just mostly just spotting up. But um but, yeah, getting him in some actions, you know, he, I think he's really worked in, a, you know, his step back. Um, so, and just his ability to, to, you know, he's also been able to put on the deck a little bit, get to the rim, which is, he's not super super quick or explosive first step or anything like that, but, you know, counter to, to him being able to, to, you know, use his handle to, to, to pull up and get space, you know. Like I said, it's just, for whatever reason, second season in a row, it's taken him, a little bit to, to kind of find his footing, and he's been set back by by a couple of knee injuries. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think I think what like you said earlier, what he's doing right now is probably sustainable. Unlike second half of last season, where he was shooting you know something north of forty five percent from three. Like I don't forty nine, forty nine percent. So and uh, he, yeah,
0: unless you're, unless you're right. Steph Curry, you, so he's, 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 he's at, at about. <laughs>
1: Right, right. So I mean, even Steph Curry, right, had his own, you know, hot stretch earlier season and kind of slowed down. But you know, he's at about forty percent uh, three point shooting since he came back. Is it from his injury? You know, um, good number of attempts. Um, again, just just being able to work off of, of Trey for sure. Um, they're using less. You know, they're using last year. They would they would just uh, go uh, a up point guard and just have Herter and Bogey in there they're doing that less, you know, they always have either DeLon or occasionally Lou when he was healthy in there. Um, so I think that gives, gives a little bit more versatility. It's not, you know, sometimes there, there wouldn't quite be enough ball handling, which just just herder and bogey, but having the three of them, you know, the two, two wings and a point guard in there. I think they're able to, to keep the offense rolling, keep the offense moving. Um, and I think he's, it's kind of hard to tell from the data, but I think he's starting to hold up a little better defensively. I mean, Certainly, I think I think Herder's better at that at the moment. So, if, you know, if you have to, like, he, he's going to be the primary guy on defense. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think again, I think he's kind of finally finally settled into his role. I think he's in a you know a position where he's able to continue to contribute. I I don't really see any need to move him to the starting lineup uh, just based on on the fact that it, it's been working for the most part.
0: Yeah, he's been huge and. It's kind of this, not the same thing, but very similar to last season where I was banging the drum for months that probably the probably the most underrated change last year between the Hawks being what they were early and what they were late was Bogey. I think obviously there was a lot of attention paid to Nate taking over and getting a little bit healthier, et cetera. But Bogey was a different guy in the second half versus first half last year, and that was a huge difference. This year, it's been pretty much the same thing. He has been a different guy since he came back. And uh, it's been a lot to unlock with the Hawks being, you know, 14 and seven in the last 21 games. Um, Before I let you get out of here, I do want to ask about the next week or so. They have five games in the next, I think it's like seven days, maybe eight days. And they go to, of course, to Detroit on Monday. They go to Milwaukee on Wednesday. That's going to be a headliner for sure. And then they come home next weekend for three games in four days at home. They play the Clippers on Friday and then a home back-to-back against the Pacers and the Blazers. I'll say this as, as long as Trey is playing and they have like kind of reasonable health elsewhere, they're going to be favored in four of those five games. Obviously Milwaukee, as long as they are full strength, the Hawks are not going to be favored on the road in Milwaukee, but they're better than Detroit. They're better than Clippers in my mind, at least as good as Clippers. Plus they have a home court advantage. And then the Pacers and Blazers are both in rebuild mode. So uh, I I would circle this stretch as one uh, that is certainly uh, pretty interesting and, You got into it a little bit earlier, but the Hawks, I believe, have the second easiest schedule strength the rest of the season, according to uh, win percentage. So it opens up a little bit, but in particular, this five games, I feel like you want to get greedy and go out and like go four and one. Uh, Obviously you could even, it's not possible. It's not impossible that they, they can win in Milwaukee too. But I think like, if you want to make a run here, going four and one this week would be a way to start that off.
1: Right. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. You know, with the easy schedule, and it looks like, you know, the Hawks are getting back healthy, getting John back, you know, basically only, you know, lose out. Kong out with the concussion protocols. But, you know, with, with good health, you know, uh, I think they just, you know, being able to um, settle in and take care of business. You know, they've, they've got a um, I, I didn't really look to see the splits of home versus away, but um, it's about they even. Have, they don't have any super long road trips left. It doesn't look yeah. like. So, you know, just this Detroit and Milwaukee. I mean
0: they have one they have one extra road game the rest of the way. It's uh they have nineteen left. It's I believe it's nine at home and ten on the road. So pretty even.
1: Yeah. So um yeah, I mean, you know, look direct looking directly at the Detroit game, I mean it's it's pretty clear, like I said, Detroit and in Indiana are, are pretty much rebuild mode. Um, you know, if you're a team and the Hawks think they're a team that that they can be end up our echelon of the east, like they need to put away those those sorts of teams um so i mean you know i think this is again a good test of you know you're starting to dial up into your your, your playoff mode your playoff rotation you know playoff intensity um you know it should be a good test of, of where they're, they're they're truly at coming on the stretch here um yeah the Milwaukee game should be tough they've actually i mean i believe they're actually 2 and 0 against Milwaukee so far this year
0: they they always play the Bucks fairly well, um, and that's you know Milwaukee has not quite been as good as we thought they were going to be during the regular season this year. You know, the Hawks beat them on uh, beat them in November, and they beat them on MLK Day. So yeah, I believe they are two and two against them. But you know Milwaukee at home, different animal. You would you would imagine yeah. that's a game that is uh you know we'll see in terms of like what the Hawks are capable of doing. But we all know if the Hawks play their A game, they can win that game. Like there's no question about that. It's just an interesting spot to see if they actually do have it in them to play consistently at that high level. And before I forget, by the way, Detroit is not good, uh, but they're five and two in their last seven games. Like, I don't know if if that's like noise. I'm sure it's a little bit of noise, but they're actually playing much better basketball. So uh, that's just worth keeping an eye on because they are definitely bad, but they have some talent uh, and they're playing better recently. So not a total walkover. Like it's a road game. If nothing else, the Hawks will be favored in that game, but like, I will, I will stress, nothing is a given on the road in the NBA. Nothing. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, no, you play, yeah. And play well in that game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, road games are, are what they are. And just having to, um, you know, go up to Detroit, they got they Milwaukee right after that. So, I mean, it wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be the end of the world if they drop one in Detroit, like you said. But they need to at least go two and two over the next four, I would say, to, to feel somewhat good. I mean, okay. really, you, you got to be thinking about three and one with – with that, I mean, yeah, I think these
0: next um, five, if they're not at least three and two, you know, you start worrying a little bit about their not 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 making the play in. Because that's last thing I was going to ask you is like what your projection would be for the rest of the season. Just because you know KD's back for Brooklyn at this point, which we kind of all know, and they're about to lose. Actually, as we're talking in Boston, but that's you know it's that's in Boston. It's not, it's not a bad loss, but at the moment, and when Brooklyn loses that game, there'll be a three way tie as we record this between the Nets, Hornets, and Hawks. Um, I've said the last couple times that people asked me about this, I've picked the Hawks to finish ninth, and I think I still would, but I, I think that they are more likely to be eighth than tenth because of uh, – I don't really believe in the Hornets, to be honest. And uh, I wonder if you agree with that or what kind of where you think the Hawks are going to finish if you had to uh, guess right now with, my, with 19 games to go.
1: I think I think they could honestly climb up to eighth. I mean, I think yep. we, the, the uncertainty in Brooklyn is, you know, obviously KD's back and, you know – that that's, that's great i mean there's still a lot of uncertainty with you know when has ben simmons going to debut um and kyrie, kyrie when years. and how can he play yeah what's <laughs> the question yeah can he play like what's what's he going to do what's he going to you know he's going to ramp up his is uh you know his fitness and all that kyrie Irving still you know a part time player at this point um doesn't look like there's going to be a, a mandate change to his status there so i mean i i just think brooklyn's got too much too much happening with with their big stars on the roster I think I think the Hawks, like I said, getting everyone healthy back. I think they could climb. I mean, the, I, I think they're just generally a better team than Charlotte. Me too. They're not a better team than Brooklyn if Brooklyn was had all their pieces available. But as it stands now, I, I think they're going to kind of outshoot them, and they they could even, you know, they could even possibly threaten the Raptors if they kind of collapsed on the stretch. But yeah, I mean, um, they're only would, yeah, only three games. Them, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's only three games behind Toronto. It's not like that's insurmountable. I would just, I always stress that. look, like, there's 19 games left, and being three games behind really matters. Like, it doesn't mean it's not, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's impossible to make up that, but if Toronto goes, you know, 12 and 6 or whatever, then you have to go something crazy to beat them. So, yeah, I think that it's still in play for the Hawks to get to 7, and honestly, with the way Cleveland's playing, maybe 6 is not, like, completely impossible if the Hawks were to finish, like, you know, 15 and 4 or something crazy, They can get there because Cleveland's in free fall right now. But I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at the projection models, they basically all have the Hawks finishing either eighth ahead of Brooklyn or ninth behind Brooklyn. That's the consensus. That makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, they have to win the games, but the schedule is there for them. They are relatively healthy at this moment in time, and uh, that is more than a lot of teams can say. So we'll see how they feel at this point
1: yeah yeah i mean uh, you know i think again i think the hawks have the tools to to make a run like you said they're, they're kind of one of those teams that can catch fire so you know they they get nuclear them. over the last stretch and
0: yeah we've, we've seen them do it before that's the uh, bright side you know a lot of teams it's kind of like proof of concept and until you see it you can't like predict it with the hawks we have seen this similar group go on runs before so there's always that in the back of your mind um well wes thanks for all the time man i really appreciate it please uh plug yourself I know we talked about your writing at Peachtree Hoops but uh, anything you want to plug feel free to uh, share it you know Twitter writing stuff anything you want
1: yeah so uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at bloghawk uh, B-L-O-G-H-A-W-K I write for Peachtree Hoops I just uh, kind of did a recap and follow of uh, the latest Wizards game so you can go to the site and and check that out and uh, make sure to follow me and you know let's talk Hawks
0: I recommend uh, following Wes and checking out all of his work. If you are a YouTube subscriber, you will you will see his uh, handle on the screen. And if you're listening to the podcast, you just heard Wes give it to you, but I'll do it one more time. It's at bloghawk. Wes, thank you for all the time, my friend. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the show on your platform of choice, and we'll see you after the game on Monday.